peace. You know, it's something that we all wish for, but if we're honest, a lot of us struggle to find. Well, Jeremiah Johnston is acquainted with that struggle, and it's the subject of his book, Unleashing Peace. And this morning on My Bridge, we're going to be revisiting a conversation with Jeremiah Johnston, who is the president of the Christian Thinker Society. Jeremiah, welcome to the morning conversation. Hello from the great state of Texas. Jeremiah, we talked with you about six years ago about your book, Unanswered. We address questions related to faith that many people have. And now you've written Unleashing Peace, Experiencing God's Shalom in Your Pursuit of Happiness. So what was kind of the genesis of that book? Stan, the calling of my life is to help every follower of Jesus across the denominational spectrum Mm. answer the questions they have in their own walk with Christ. Questions are not a sin. And what's so great about God is He can take our toughest questions. And in the last six years since I have spoken to you guys, we continued to aggregate all of the questions that our ministry receives. What I noticed really arrested my attention. The number one question I have been asked by far are questions related to anxiety, Mm. depression, mental pain, even suicide, and just a general lack of the peace and shalom of God among God's people. And so way before there was a pandemic, you guys, I started visioning and writing a book about the peace of God. Now, I'll just tell you this. I have a PhD, okay, which means I know a lot about a very little. That's what a PhD (laughs) means. You know, you know a lot about a little. My area of specialty is the gospels and the Mm. historical Jesus and Mm. the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. And so why I'm mentioning that is as believers, my job is to help Christians understand how impactful living in shalom and the peace of God was for Jesus and those early followers of Christ and how we can rekindle the discipline of shalom in our life. And so this book is written to answer the number one question that I've been asked. I can't think of a Christian right now watching or listening to us who would not love to have more of the peace of God. But the problem is, We have to get past the bumper sticker theology. We've got to get into substance. How do we live the peace of God beyond just slapping a Bible verse on someone as much as I love the Bible? How do we guide them by the hand through the scriptures to live shalom? So, Jeremiah, from my understanding, the word shalom appears 550 times in the Bible. What does the word shalom mean? Keep in mind, your typical Bible is like 700,000 words, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm saying the best word after Jesus in the entire scriptures is this word shalom. And you're exactly right, Stan. It pops up throughout the cut and thrust of scripture and the narrative all the time. In fact, people might be surprised to find out that the word shalom shows up twice as much as the word grace. Oh, wow. You think about the Apostle Paul, remember his epistles, they all begin with grace Grace, and peace peace or shalom. And so, What does it mean? Well, there's two ways to break this down, and I'm going to do this very quickly because it's applicable for every one of us, and I had to learn this. There is the Greek arene, which is the Greek word for peace, like you've heard people called Irene, and the Greek notion of peace is simply an absence of conflict or a truce. However, the Hebrew term shalom which is actually pivots off the Greek, or excuse me, the verb shalem, shalem rather, means to flourish, to lack nothing, 
to be made whole, to have completeness, wholeness. So it's so much more than a truce. It is the flourishing of God Almighty in our lives, even in spite of the adversity and the tension that we face. Jeremiah, when I think about conversations I've had with people over the years, a lot of times what you hear is people want happiness. Compare and contrast happiness and peace. Happiness and joy is a biblical concept. We see those words 300 times in the scripture, but they flow out of shalom. Happiness is the Hebrew word asher. Jesus begins his most famous sermon saying that we should be happy. But he gives what's called the Beatitudes. Being a Christian is not a killjoy. When we know our sins are forgiven forever by his grace, Mm. nothing should make us happier. But at the same time, we will experience trouble. When you look at the Apostle Paul, especially his autobiographical letter in 2 Corinthians, he uses the word trouble 12 times. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he had a great ministry opportunity in front of him, but he said, in Troas, I had no peace of mind. And he struck out. We can all think of times when we've had troubles. God opened a door for us, but we just didn't step forward in faith like we should have. We have to have a plan for peace in our life. Paul, it took seven years to figure out his anxiety. He goes from 2 Corinthians chapter 2 to I have no peace of mind when he's ministering, when God's opened up a whole door. And then you talk about a different circumstantial chains. He's in prison writing to the Philippian church, and he gives us the greatest anti-anxiety passage in all the Bible, Philippians 4, 6 through 8. And what's really cool about that, he begins to self-medicate with scripture. And he says, if I'm going to be full of the shalom of God, it's a discipline. And Stan, this is what I'm continuing to learn. I had to decide early this morning, I'm going to live in the peace of God. I wish that you and I, we could just like shoot people with peace nerf pellets and they would just be full of the peace of God. But this is the hard work of being a Christian. And if I may, there's two aspects to living in the peace of God, Stan. One is we have to make sure that we have peace with God. That's Romans 5.1. Once we have peace with God, that peace never changes in salvation. It doesn't increase or decrease. But then secondly, we have that opportunity to meet the God of peace and live with the peace, the shalom of God. You know, I'm a busy dad. I have five kids. I have triplets who are five years old, so I haven't slept in five years since we (laughs) talked six years ago. So, you know, living in the peace of God, even right now, is something that we have to learn as a discipline and guess what? We can do it. It's possible. And it'll change us even when in the midst of adversities. Jeremiah, you said a couple different times, peace being a discipline. I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit more. This is so fun because I'm a guy with disciplines in my life. One of the big outcomes of my book was we all need a peace shalom plan for Hmm. our family. Hmm. We need to develop a discipline of shalom in our life. And the good news is biblically, we know first and foremost, it is God's will for me to live in the peace of God. So then we have to do what Paul does. Paul, as I said, was probably a professional warrior, Stan. I mean, even though he saw the Lord four times and in Philippians 4, depending on like which passage you, you read it in, I think it's 32 words in the English it's all governed by one verb. There is one verb in Philippians 4.8, and it is the Greek word legizomai, which means think. The discipline of the peace of God begins with how I think. It begins with the things that I focus on. It, be- it begins with how I handle intrusive thoughts. And so I have to determine in my mind that I'm going to think the way Paul thought. And that's how I begin the discipline of peace. And I want to just say this to encourage our audience. Because we live in the peace of God, it doesn't mean we don't have trouble and it doesn't mean we don't have battles we have to face. 
the first time that Shalom shows up as a descriptor of God is in Judges chapter six. Gideon interrupts the angel of the Lord and he says, hey, God, excuse me, uh, if you're really with me, why do I have all these problems? The Lord comes back and he says, I will be with you. Judges 6, 23 and 24. And here's the key part, guys. By faith, Gideon builds an altar to the Lord and he calls it the Lord Shalom, literally Yahweh Shalom. He still has to go fight his battles, though. He's still got to go fight those Midianites, but he does so with the peace of God. Jeremiah, you mentioned uh, in order to have the peace from God, you have to have peace with God. That's about coming to know Jesus in a personal and real way, right? As Savior and Lord. Right. And, but there's some people listening today that they may not be able to say, I've got peace with God. So how can someone come to that place? Thank you so much for asking that, because there's a lot of just good people out there and they realize they've not made that first step, the peace with God. Now, let me just share a verse with you because there's a lot of confusion. People think that they need to do something to have peace with God. The beautiful thing is the gospel is spelled done, D-O-N-E. Romans 5.1 is the verse that I want to give to our audience. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So all you have to do is place your complete trust. I'm sitting in a chair right now, Zooming with you all, and I have sat down in this chair. It has all my weight. That's a picture of trust. I want to encourage everyone in our audience to realize that we could never do enough to make peace with God. Our sin has separated us from God, but He loved us even in our sin so much to send His Son, Jesus, to pay for our sin in full on the cross. He died in my place. That is why I'm a Christian. We know historically Jesus physically bodily rose from the grave. And therefore, because we know that evidence, we then place our belief and our trust in Jesus as the forgiver of our sins and as the one who gives us peace with God. And you can do that right now. You don't even have to pray. You can say a prayer if you want to, but by simply believing in Jesus, by trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sin and for peace with God. And it happens in a moment. Jeremiah, is it possible in the midst of a crazy world that we're living in right now to authentically live in peace? Absolutely it is. Mm -hmm. And this is the beautiful thing. When you come to faith in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God residing in you. He guides you into truth. He is the God of all comfort. He's the paraclete. And through the agency of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, you don't have to do this on your own. But keep in mind, there are practical steps we need to make. And one of the worst things we can do is isolate ourselves. And then when you determine in your mind, Lord, okay, it is your will for me to live in peace. Therefore, God, I'm going to have to say no to some things in my life for the bigger yes of God's peace. There's some great practical steps. There's some great things we say no to because you know what? We're saying yes to the bigger idea of God's peace in our life. And then we commit to think about certain things like what's true, lovely, hopeful, noble. We can't control the crazy thoughts that come through our head, but we can control what we focus on. We can control our compass. And if I may, I want to encourage people what I had to be encouraged with. Though we come to faith in Christ in a second, transformation is a process. So live in grace. Understand that shalom is a process. Paul had been a Christian 30 years before he wrote Philippians 4, friends. Don't try to do peace on your own. There is hope, but develop a care team. Care for yourself. Know that it's a process. Don't be isolated. Stop all the doom scrolling. Stop obsessively checking the news. 
let's not live by feelings either. My favorite chapter in the books, um, Stan, is my chapter on what do I do when I don't feel my faith? Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have so many young people I speak to today and they're like, you know, I don't vibe you, you know, or, or whatever. It's all, it's all feelings driven. And, you know, we appreciate feelings. They should not be the driving force of our life, our marriage, or our family. So the great thing is, is the Bible gives us the tools. And I really felt like my book was necessary just to guide the readers by the hand that, oh, there's a tool. There's another tactic. There's another way that you can have the peace of God and it's attainable. And when you start that process of peace, you will see that it's indescribable. It is a peace, Philippians 4, 7, that passes understanding. Jeremiah, as you think about just the conversation that we've had this morning and people who are really feeling like it's so far from where I am right now, what's a baby step towards peace? The immediate step for you is to understand first, biblically, it is God's will for you to live in the peace of God. The number two step is start writing down your peace plan. And this is hard. We've got to identify those things in our life that are stealing our peace. We have to say no to those things for the bigger yes of the peace of God. And then we want to start bringing things into our life. Just like when we get in shapes physically, we need to bring those disciplines to bear. And here's the cool part. You will have the peace of God by making yourself more aware of your beliefs. So the more you get to know the real God of the Bible, the more you get to understand your own beliefs, the more you're going to be able to withstand the pressures that come from the enemy and from the world. Well, Jeremiah, it has been wonderful getting to connect with you this morning and explore some of the principles in your book, Unleashing Peace. Really, really helpful. And thank you for spending part of your morning with us today. (laughs) It's been an honor. We love you guys and the great work you all do. Keep it up.